Vegas. In the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance in this first half tonight. The doctor operates here. Oh, he has trouble with the snap. Time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Hey, it was BYOG, bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart, and they never quit. The doctor is now in. And a happy Monday to you. A happy Boxing Day today. No, not jab, jab, stick to the body. Boxing Day. England, I believe Canada. You know what Boxing Day is, Numchuck? It's got nothing to do with boxing. Oh, nothing to do with... I was going to say, yeah. it's the day that, like, Ali won? No. Okay. No, nothing. We'll do the boxing open next hour. How's that? No. It's a box. Gifts. You know? That's what the English... That's Paul Buck Power Stewart, he'll tell you. All right. Happy Monday. Post-Merry Christmas. Glad to have everyone with us here today as we recap a busy, busy, busy... Exciting week 16 of the National Football League. We'll talk Raiders in their Christmas Eve disappointing loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers, but some of us kind of knew what was going to happen, right? I mean, it didn't we all knew that the Steeler fans were going to be charged, Steeler players, coaching staff, they were going to be emotionally charged. They're going to be ready for this game. And I believe I said it on Friday's show that I believe that the Raiders are going to succumb to the atmosphere, and to the moment, and they did. They did. They lost. And if someone tell me they're still mathematically uh, alive for the play, I don't want to hear that. They are. I don't want to. That's nonsense. They weren't really, they weren't alive before Saturday night, and they're definitely not still alive now. It's not happening. But Forget now, that. But now whoever, whoever was, uh, they had to win like one, has to lose both of their games. And the Raiders have to win out. Yeah, stop. They can do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. San Francisco and Kansas City, who are both play, playing for playoff position. Okay, stop. All right. Don't, don't start my, my post Christmas with nonsense like that. Why is the nonsense before Christmas? Oh, yes. Yes. Now, this does not mean that we're not going to play this song now for another 364 days. All right. Not happening. This is it. You know what's so funny about this? When I first played this, well, not first place because I've been playing since 1978. All right, uh, but when I played it or you played it, or I told you to play it. You're like, what the heck is is Christmas rapping by Curtis Blow? And ever since then, I think somebody's played this more than I've played it over the last two weeks. And that's you. It's kind of growing on me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How was your Christmas, man? Good? Relaxing. I loved it. Me too. I loved it. Relaxing. You know? Uh, food. Football. Family. That's it. Those three things. And I'm totally fine now. Is it that order? What did I say? Food. Food. Football, football family. Yeah, I think so. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Throw some music in there as well, too. You got to like it. But yeah, very chill Christmas. Very chill. And this is kind of what I've been going through in the last few years and everything. So, you know, I like it. I can dig it. it very, very mellow. There it is. All right. 
little Curtis Blow, a little Christmas rapping, will still stand out as the greatest Christmas song of all time. That's right. Okay, Ricky, settle down. Yeah, thank you. All right. NFL Week 16, Marco D'Angelo is going to be in the house. He is going to join us today. We'll uh, recap all of that. And I know uh, Marco very, very happy about the Pittsburgh Steelers winning. Of course, Marco being the Pittsburgh native. So he's on his way in to uh, join us here today. Uh, Chuck Esposito joins us, as he traditionally does each and every Monday over at Red Rock. So uh, great stuff. And a very exciting week coming up this week. As we know, meaningful bowl games, including... The national championship semifinals that will take place on Saturday. Georgia, Ohio State, TCU, Michigan. Oh, yeah. So, of course, this entire week we will hype that up. We will look forward to that with our college football gurus on the show uh, this week as well, too. So, looking forward to that. Trevor Maddich and and Houston uh, Nutt, Steve Berline, all scheduled to join us this week. So, a lot to do, a lot to take care of this week. Looking forward to it. one of my favorite weeks as well because you actually have meaningful bowl games uh, with obviously you know playoff games and of course you know next weekend's NFL will be fantastic as well too. And we won't have this quirky schedule like we had last weekend where Sunday was actually a Saturday and Sunday was I don't know what that was with the three standalone games with really three bad matchups even though two of the three games were good. Packers and Dolphins game was was good. The Buccaneers and Cardinals game was atrocious, even though it went to overtime, but they were void of scoring. And then, of course, the worst game probably I've seen the entire season, maybe the worst football game I've seen in years, the Rams and the Broncos. You know how bad that game was? That game was so bad. That the Broncos fired their head coach today, Nathaniel Hackett. Good. And again, I, I do not advise anyone to lose their job. I don't like that. But Nathaniel Hackett is another one of these guys that had no business getting a head coaching job. None whatsoever. And when are teams going to learn? It's not even the offseason. I'm on this rant. Because I'm on this rant usually day after the season ends. And all these low-life teams fire their coaches. Well, good for the Broncos getting rid of him, but but bad for the Broncos for hiring him. I mean, have the Broncos got a higher right? When was the last time they got a higher right? John Fox? What are they doing? Bring you know, bringing him back? The list goes on. Van Joseph, Vance Joseph. Kind of felt bad for Vance Joseph because I don't think much of him is a head coach. I think he's a pretty good coordinator, but. And I get the whole connection, why you'd want to have Vance Joseph. He was a Denver guy, former Colorado Buffalo. Heck, why didn't Vance Joseph get a job? Why didn't they offer him the job at Colorado instead of primetime Deion Sanders? I don't know. But anyway, Todd Bowles, that's the one that really drives me nuts. I mean, that is a guy that has no business being a head coach. None. Just ask Tom Brady. Ask, ask Leonard Fournette. Probably ask anybody in that organization. And the Buccaneers win in spite of Todd Bowles and the atrocious play calling in that game. But why'd they win? Why'd they beat the Arizona Cardinals last night? Oh, because they were playing the Cardinals. Plain and simple. But seriously, what an uneventful Christmas day when it came to football. As I was looking forward to it. Remember I said last week, wait a minute. 
three games, all standalone games, and the garbage that they are giving us, that was one of the worst lineups I've ever seen. That's almost as bad as some of those Saturday matchups that they give us, you know, after the college football season ends, because we usually get some bad Saturday matchups. First game wasn't that bad. No, no, it was okay. It was good. It was entertaining. But then it was but, just blowout and yeah, yeah. But again, it it still wasn't really great to watch. I mean, because you're dealing with two teams that if they do make the playoffs, in the Dolphins and the Packers aren't going anywhere, and they're terrible. And Tua, here we go again. Tua again, terrible, pathetic, horrible. And there's another guy. It's just, please, no more Tua. I don't want to hear about concussions and all this other nonsense. And that goofball that looks like a, that he looks like a science project. He looked, and that was the Nickelodeon slime game too. Wasn't that nonsense? That was the game. The afternoon. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it was. No, it wasn't. Which one was, which one was the slime game? The CBS game was the slime game. The CBS, so that was the Rams game. The Rams game. Yeah, deservedly so. Yeah. There you go. Unbelievable. All right. A lot, lot to recap here today. A lot to vent about. Anyway, hope everyone had a, a Merry Christmas. Um, had a great time, whether it was, uh, family, food, football, uh, joyous times, uh, uh, great stuff. And continue to stay in the holiday spirit the rest of this week as we approach New Year's. And of course, being in Las Vegas, you know what that means. That means total chaos. New Year's Eve. It means avoid the strip at all costs. Yes. Even yeah. more now. Yeah. You know, I, I have so many people saying, Oh, I'm going to come into town. I'm coming to town for the Raiders and, and Niners. It's like, okay, be prepared. You know what you're in for. It's okay. Cause you know, us locals, you know, we, we stay away from the strip, but I will have to go to the strip, but that'll be Sunday, New Year's Day. So, but you don't have okay. to cross the strip. That's, you can technically go the back and, way. And I and, do. And I do. When I go to Legion Stadium. You're right. You're right. I do. Yeah. But uh, for tourists, you know, you're coming to town. Be advised. Be careful. Be millions of people on the strip. Got some great concerts as well. Great acts that are that are headlining up and down the strip. So uh, those people that are coming. And I got plenty of people that are coming. But I don't know if I'm going to partake in in any of the festivities. A lot, of, a lot of NorCal people that are coming down um, going to be wearing the Niners red for that uh, Raiders game as well, too. And then it gets, you know, some some Raiders personnel, too, from the Bay Area. But I think they may be staying home because this season is over for them. It's done. All right. So let's talk Raiders and Steelers from Saturday night. Same old, same old. Really? That's what it is. Raiders blow a big lead again. Now, this is only a seven-point lead, but this is the fifth time that the Raiders blew at least a touchdown lead and lose the game. And how did they do it on Saturday night? They looked terrible in the second half. And they got beat by a mediocre Pittsburgh Steelers team led by a rookie quarterback who didn't play last week because he's come off a concussion. And he outplayed Derek Carr. You know, when you look at the Raiders' losses, and this is true, and not even the Raiders' losses, but even some of their wins, Derek Carr has gotten outplayed 
by nearly every fellow quarterback that he's faced. You're going into a game like this in Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh is not a good football team at all. And they're dreadful offensively. Remember, we were going back in weeks four, five, and six, and we are saying this Pittsburgh Steelers team is the worst team that we've seen uh, in a long, long time coming out of Pittsburgh. And they were one of the worst teams in the league earlier on. Because remember, they were dead last in offense, and they were pretty much close to dead last in defense. Now, the defense has played better. All right. But when you are a nine year veteran and you're Derek Carr, and this isn't all the blame on Carr, but he takes a brunt of it. And now it's gotten to the point where now the Raiders are eliminated from playoff contention. And I, I want to hear mathematically they're still, I know they're done. Okay. They've been done for a long time. All right. And people making excuses for Derek Carr. Well, look at he's he's in another system, another head coach, another offensive coordinator. You just got beat by Kenny Pickett. And Mike Tomlin's your coach. All right? No, there's no ingenuity there on the offensive side by Mike Tomlin, as we know. Pittsburgh had had an offensive coordinator in a decade. A decent one. So Derek Carr got outplayed by Kenny Pickett. He got outplayed by Baker Mayfield, who Baker Mayfield was a Ram for less than 48 hours and got outplayed. He got outplayed by Justin Herbert. Now people are going to say, well, Justin Herbert's a great corner. I don't want to hear that. Justin Herbert's been in the league three years. Nobody that's been in the league for nine years who's a veteran like that should be outplayed by a guy in his third year. I don't care who you are. He got outplayed by Geno Smith. No, he did, even though the Raiders won. You go back and look at the stats in that game, Geno Smith was better than Derek Carr. He was. The Broncos game against Russell Wilson. Well, you know Russell Wilson was awful. But that's the last time that Derek Carr played better than his opponent going back on November the 20th. Trevor Lawrence outplayed Derek Carr. He did. Matt Ryan looked like the second coming. Matt Ryan was on the bench. He came out and he started. He looked like a, a combination of Steve Young and I don't know what else. He was fantastic. At Allegiant Stadium, Matt Ryan outplayed Derek Carr. Trevor Lawrence. Andy Dalton outplayed Derek Carr. 24 nothing Saints win. Remember that was a game that Carr couldn't even get the Raiders past midfield. Look at those names that I just said, and look at those teams. Those are facts. Those are indisputable facts. You're killing me, Smalls. So now the Raiders are talking about behind closed doors, not publicly, not going to do that, but they're talking about moving away from Derek Carr. Like, it's time. Yeah. Josh McDaniels has no allegiance to Derek Carr. And how about if you're Devontae Adams? You give up the cozy confines of Green Bay. All right? Even though, okay, you had some issues with Aaron Rodgers, but everybody has issues with Aaron Rodgers, especially if you're an offensive teammate of his. All right? But you're winning. Oh, and by the way, the Packers look like, like I said last week, despite their ESPN analytics, a 12% chance to go to the playoffs. 
No, it's a lot higher than that. Now what is it? Don't even tell me. We'll get to that tomorrow. But anyway, yeah, they'll probably make the playoffs. They got the Lions and the Vikings coming up. And Devontae Adams could be part of that. Be having a heck of a lot better year than what he's having here with the Raiders, right? Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, nonsense. Do you know what that connection did yesterday? What do you think that connection did yesterday or Saturday? Devontae Adams had two catches for 15 yards. Two catches for 15 yards against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Are you kidding me? It just goes back to this. It's the Raiders. They're not a good football team. They never were a good football team at any point in time this year. And people get excited because they were one game over 500 and slid into the playoffs last year by accident. Again, it's the full body of work. Season in, season out, over the last 20 years. And now, do you think that Josh McDaniels can coach? And I'm tired of hearing about Josh McDaniels being one of the greatest offensive coordinators around. No, stop it. Stop it. Anybody can be a great offensive coordinator with Tom Brady and the weapons, and specifically the offensive line that the New England Patriots have had. Hmm. Anyway, got off of my little tangent there. Same old, same old for the Raiders. All right? Now, emotional night in Pittsburgh. Talked about it on Friday. The Immaculate Reception Anniversary. Franco Harris Tribute. It's freezing cold. It's eight degrees. And I said, I believe the Raiders were going to succumb to all of this. They're going to be the perfect opponent for the Steelers because the Steelers stink. Like I said, void of offense. Rookie quarterback. Injuries galore, and they're going to be ready to play this football game, and the Raiders will oblige, and that's exactly what happened. They couldn't match the intensity of the moment and the Steelers. And what happens in the end, the Raiders lose to another sub-500 team. I'm not mad. Again, I said the Steelers are going to win part of my best bets. And I guess what's just, it's frustrating and irritating that people still think that this is a good football team and they got great personnel, and they don't. You look at that offensive line and that defense aside from Max Crosby, forget about it. But the Raiders do start games off pretty well. No exception Saturday night. The Raiders open the game focused and ready to roll. All right? And they did good. Opening drive was a thing of beauty. They mixed the run and pass effectively. He had a 14-play, 72-yard drive capped off by a touchdown. He throws it to his right for Renfro, who grabs it, makes a move, and scores! Touchdown, Vegas! Perfect throw. Wow. All right, there's Derek Carr to Hunter Renfro. Welcome back, Hunter Renfro. First first opening drive. Looked great for the Raiders. Like I said, 14 plays, 72 yards. A 14-yard touchdown pass from Carr to Renfro. It's 7-0 Raiders. It was methodical. They took off the first 8 minutes and 22 seconds of that game and looked great. And if you're a Steeler fan, you're going to go, uh-oh, this is not the start we wanted. The the Steelers come out, they've got the Franco flag, everything's looking good, and then all of a sudden we kick off, and then here come the Raiders march right down the field. Well, 
After that, the Raiders' offense disappeared. The next two drives, nothing. Each lasted four plays. Two four-play drives. Pittsburgh comes back and gets a field goal, and it's 7-3. to three. We're in the second quarter now, but the Raiders respond with a pretty good drive themselves. Carr finds Waller for 34 yards. They get down to the Pittsburgh 22-yard line, and then what happens next? Three incomplete passes, and they have to settle for a field goal, and the Raiders lead 10-3 to three at halftime. Nine plays, a minute 48 it takes them, but they only get three. 10-3 halftime, and guess what? That was it. Didn't score again. No more scoring for the Raiders in the final 30 minutes of this game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And here's the kicker to this. You know how many yards the Raiders had in the second half? 30. 30 yards of offense in the second half. And I'll say it again. Against the Steelers. This isn't the steel curtain defense we're talking about. And definitely, it's not a vintage Steeler offense where they're going to, you know, control the clock. They didn't. It's ridiculous. It was a punt fest. 30 yards of offense the entire second half of the Raiders. But they had their chances. Now, Pittsburgh's at midfield. The defense comes up big for the Raiders. And it looked like, okay, the Raiders are going to turn things around. Left and he's picked. Picked off. Picked off by Perriman. Denzel Perriman with the first takeaway of the night. Denzel Perryman with the INT uh, for the Raiders. And it looked like, okay, here they go. Well, that didn't last too long. The very next play, this happens. I'm good. So the second half just started. Carr over the middle. Off of Foster Moreau and picked off. Pittsburgh takes it right back. Arthur Millette. Micah Fitzpatrick, the interception for the Steelers, gives him the ball back. But guess what? <laughs> no surprise. Pittsburgh does absolutely nothing with it. Raiders next drive? You're not going to believe it. Carr strikes again. Carr, quick pass. Renfro off his hands and it's intercepted again. Picked off by Minka Fitzpatrick. And the Steelers get Carr one more time. And that's two for Derek Carr at that point in time. But guess what? Pittsburgh goes three and out after that. And then the Raiders do nothing offensively when they do get the ball back. Penalties and sacks on the next drive where it ends up with the Raiders on fourth and 26. <laughs> Given Pittsburgh decent field position, Steelers get a chance to get a field goal to make it 10-6. to So the Steelers are crawling back. Now the Raiders get the ball back. And guess what happens? Nothing. A punt. Each team then goes three and out. Now Pittsburgh gets the ball back with 2.55 remaining in the game. And believe it or not, kind of like the Raiders' opening drive of the game, the Steelers' last drive of the game, they put together a fantastic drive. Like I said, 2.55, they take over. Couldn't move the ball all night. 
They couldn't get into the end zone until this drive. And on this drive, they actually find a way. They're moving the ball down the field. They get deep into Raiders territory. The clock is winding down. And then they face a huge fourth and one on the Raiders' 15-yard line with 55 seconds to go. Could the Raiders come up with a stop here? The answer is no. Kenny Pickett keeps the ball on a quarterback sneak, gives him a new set of downs, and now on the very next play, what happens? This. From the Raiders 14, Pickett over the middle. Touchdown! George Pickens with 46 seconds to go. Pickens from Pickett. How about that rookie combination there? From Pitt to Georgia, 14-yard touchdown, and the Steelers grab the lead 13-10. to But the Raiders have one more chance to at least get a field goal with 46 seconds remaining to get the ball back. Didn't last very long as Carr did it again. Terrible towels waving everywhere from the 29, 36 seconds to go. Vegas has all their timeouts. Carr steps up over the middle. He's got Renfro, but he overshoots it. And it's intercepted by Sutton. Oh, boy. Rich Eisen, and by the way, I mean, this is for Terrible Tuesday. Just in a tr- I can't stand watching NFL Network games. All right. S- NFL Network, stick to your highlights, stick to your packages. But Rich Eisen doing play by play with Steve Mariucci on, on the collar. I mean, come on, stop that. Anyway, three Derek Carr interceptions. Pittsburgh wins. They keep their playoff hopes alive, and the Raiders do what they do. They coughed up another lead and looked terrible doing it. Josh McDaniels talking about the Raiders after the loss. Congratulations to Mike and his crew. Um, obviously, they played better, coached better than we did. Um, hard-fought game, guys hung in there, but, you know, just, just too many too many mistakes, too many self-inflicted errors, not good enough football uh, in critical situations, and and that'll that'll get you every time. So, just not good enough. Not good enough uh, at all. And the turnovers continue to be a problem for the Raiders once again. Here's McDaniels talking about the turnover problems. It's tough to overcome. You know, if you lose the turnover battle, you're, you know, in this league, most of the time you lose the game. So, um, you know, our ability to take care of the football, I mean, was a strength earlier in the year. It's, you know, obviously we haven't done a very good job of that in the last month or so. Um, we've gotten away with it a little bit, but... You know, tonight, you know, just cost us too many other opportunities to, you know, we didn't have possession of the ball much because we turned it over and, you know, had some negative plays and penalties in the second half. And that kind of hurt our ability to, I'd say, continue to stick runs in there and try to eventually, you know, get something going. We had, a, you know, I think we had the big one and then it got called back with the penalty. But, yeah, when you turn the ball over and give the other team more opportunities than you have, um, you know, in good field position, uh, just, you know, it's it's impossible to overcome. Again, same old, same old, as we talked about. All right, turnovers, having opportunities that go by the wayside. Uh, and I'll say this, the, the defense, for the most part, they they did their job. Here's Josh McDaniels talking about the D. I thought the defense hung in there, you know, and, um, you know, played really, 
really pretty well most of the time, most of the game. Um, and I tried to, tried to, you know, hang in there in a the running game. It's a tough team, physical group, you know, good runner. Um, you know, we gave up a few, a few plays here and there, but I thought they hung in there for the most part. Um, you know, and then tried to make it as tough as we could on the quarterback. And, you know, he's a good young player, you know, and eventually reality is, is given too many chances, you know, with the score right there in the balance. And, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, guys in this league are going to find a way to win. And, you know, that's what happened. Raider fans got to be really tired about hearing these same type of press conferences when, uh, you know, credit to the other team, but, you know, just keep making mistake after mistake, mistake. And bottom line is it's just disappointment once again for the Raiders. It's disappointing. Um, you know, the guys work hard and, um, to not be able to pull out, you know, some of these, you know, we've pulled out plenty and, um, you know, and then to, 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 to lose in this fashion, you know, when you have a shot to win, you know, you, you realize you're close, but close doesn't really count in this league. And so, um, obviously I have to do a better job of trying to, you know, close the gap on, on the things we're not doing well so that we can make the plays we need to make the win. All right, uh, Josh McDaniels, and uh, finally talking about uh, Derek Carr's performance, the three interceptions, uh, not good in any phase. And uh, McDaniels was asked about, well, did the weather have anything to do with it? I thought he actually threw the ball decent tonight. I mean, I didn't think, honestly, once the game started, you know, the wind died down a little bit. You know, it was a little bit towards their bench, um, but it wasn't terrible. I didn't think it was super impactful. Um but I thought, you know, for the most part, I thought he, he threw it decent. Um, you know, the one on fa- the, the Foster, I think it just, you know, it just wasn't a, a clean catch on that one. I don't know that it was a bad throw at all. Um, and I think the one to Hunter, it was, I think Hunter was planning on looking just a little later and then the ball came a little behind. And then the last one we had a shot at it, it was just, I think it was just overthrown. So, um, you know, I mean, it is what it is. Um, you know, if you're not if you're not right on the money in some games like this, sometimes it it hurts you. Yeah, weather wasn't a problem for Kenny Pickett, and you can't use the weather as an excuse uh, at all. Speaking of Derek Carr, uh, Derek Carr talking about the disappointing season continues, where he has to face the media once again and kind of answer the same old questions. You know, we felt like uh, we were making strides in some areas, and uh, and obviously we didn't do that well enough today. Um, and uh, just got to do our job, move on uh, as much as it sucks. You know, tomorrow you got to get ready for the next one, and that's how it goes. But this one, this one stinks. You know, we are, we're, I mean, we are talented, but talent doesn't mean wins. Um, you know, and I, I've seen that firsthand, you know, and, uh, you know, in, in different years. And so, um, you know, when you look at it, you have to watch the film. You can't just throw something out there and say this or that. You have to watch it and know it and see it and make the corrections. And, uh, you know, Josh has been doing doing that. We're doing our best to do that, um, to make sure um, as leaders we're pushing everybody to do the same things. And um, when you fall short, I mean, my heart, my heart breaks, you know. Um, I just care so much. And, you know, to, you know, when you don't, you know, do your best. You let let your team down, let, let your organization, your fans down. It, it hurts, you know, it breaks your heart. But, you know, at the end of the day, nobody cares. You get back up and you keep going. You know, that's, that's how we do it. Derek Carr is professional, right? He may not play at an elite level as far as a professional quarterback, but the guy is a professional, how he goes about his business, how much he cares, uh, his work ethic. There's no question about it. And sure, you could say that, 
he's been dealt uh, kind of a bad hand with uh, not a very good offensive line, uh, rotating coaches and offensive quarterback. But the bottom line is that's that's the nature of this. And you know, when you're a quarterback in the NFL, you are probably going to get more of the blame than you deserve, and a lot of times you're going to get more of the credit, more of the success then you deserve as well, too. It goes both ways. But you can probably feel right now that he's seen the writing on the wall. This is a guy that said he wanted to end his career here with the Raiders. He loved the idea of being in Oakland. He loved the idea of playing, coming here to Las Vegas. And he actually said one time that he would rather retire than go to another team. Well, that will probably get put to a test because he's on an expiring contract, and it'll be interesting to see what the Raiders do. But how, at this point in time right now, I grant there's two games left to go, but bottom line is this. Season's over, and the Raiders got to start looking at, at other options here. And I know that's exactly what they're going to do. They're going to look at other options. Because Derek Carr has not got the job done. Excuses have got to put to a side. And again, when you want to use the excuse line, just look at the other quarterbacks, these other teams that the Raiders are losing to, they're, like I mentioned, are playing better than Derek Carr, and then say, well, okay, this guy's been in the league nine years. You got to be able to overcome all of these things. At some point in time, you just got to say, no, he is not a big-time quarterback. Yeah, he could throw for over 4,000 yards in a season, but what has that ever won him or the Raiders? Got them one game over 500 last year, right? That's it. And he had huge numbers. This year, the numbers aren't there. The decision-making has been poor. But decision-making has been poor for him during the course of his career, plain and simple. So not a shock that the Raiders are going to want to move on. Will it be better than Derek Carr? No guarantee. Especially if you're going to think, okay, we're going to, you know, draft a quarterback because Raiders will have a decent pick, very high pick. They'll have a top 10 pick coming up in the draft. But just don't think that you're going to get, you know, a, a great quarterback, whether it's going to be, you know, Bryce Young or any of the other top quarterbacks, you know, Stenson Bennett. That doesn't mean they're going to be ready to lead a team immediately, you know. So Raiders have a decision uh, to make here. And believe me, um, those decisions and those conversations are happening right now as we speak. Derek Carr has 47 touchdowns in the last two seasons combined. He has 45 interceptions and fumbles at the same time, over that same time frame. It says a lot about your quarterback, especially a nine-year veteran. All right, we come back. We'll give you a full recap of a week 16 in the NFL Take you through Saturday, take you through Sunday. A little look ahead this week. Marco D'Angelo, he joins us next. Now, more from your favorite sports radio physician. Wow, that's the best news I heard in a dog's age. The Dr. T.C. Martin. Vegas, Fremont Street. I'm not endorsing it because it's not even the original version of the Sugar Hill game. Big Bank Hank, rest in peace. I don't even know what this rendition is. I, I worked with those guys so many times. 
in one of my favorite groups to work with back in the day. Fantastic. Wonder Mike, Master G, Big Bang Hank, Sylvia Robinson, The Creation. That's right. Joey Robinson uh, was in the second rendition of the Sugar Hill Gang. That was her son. Yeah. The Sugar Hill Gang, the Sugar Hill label back in the day. There you go. There's Big Bank. Rest in peace, brother. All right. Well, speaking of Big Bank, here comes the big man just making his way right through here. I think he gained 12 pounds over the last time I saw him on Friday. The one and only magnificent Marco D'Angelo. I see you bobbing your head. How come every time we play like some old school R&B, you're just kind of like shaking your head like in the wrong direction? <laughs> I'm still trying to picture uh, TC back in the day. <laughs> TC's got some pictures with a full head of hair, too. Uh, that I got to see. With it's cur- very crazy to see that. <laughs> with the curls. Yeah. Numbchuck probably has uh, access to them. Yeah. All right, man. So Marco sent me these pictures over the weekend of uh, his gourmet uh, like like many of our our good friends, and I don't know what it is. They sending me food pictures. I guess like because they want they want to see if they are TC worthy. Uh, they are. Well, I'll tell you what. Marco's picture that he sent me from yesterday's masterpiece on the grill of his prime rib uh, was definitely TC photo worthy. I just want to know how much time and be honest. Uh, did you spend before you sent uh, before you actually hit the button? I mean, this wasn't one of these boom. I mean, I bet you took your time lining this prime rib up. Oh, we had five different shots. We, you know, <laughs> it was a, it was a photo op before we ate. There it is. I bet it was right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that's the standard. If it, anybody that has a wife or a girlfriend and you do stuff on social media, you, it, there's a five picture rule, and they right. have to approve. That's true. So for me. I have that role with the food pictures. We got to get it just right. Okay. Now, how long have you been this way? Or is it just since we've known each other? Uh, no, I've been this way long time. Yeah. Really? Yeah. With well, the food pictures, really? Really? Well, if you remember back in the day, publication here in town, Gaming Today, I used I yeah. used to write the food. Uh, food so you did the food. And, okay. Yeah. Okay. Huh? So yeah. I did that for several years until, you know, they recently were sold, sold and COVID and everything kind of okay. ended that. But that's good. I, I like to eat, TC. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you, you might have noticed that. No, that's why we get along so well. I yeah. mean, we handicap very similar and we eat very similar as well, too. Speaking of which, I do believe <laughs> the breaking news. Yes, we are eating for free. I say we, Jay Schrader and myself. I'm sorry. I, it's not that I'm the gloater, but I just, you know, you've given it to me. I'm giving it to you back. And I deserved it, but I tell you what, Jay, I got to have a word with him when the next <laughs> thing he's on. That game was ridiculous. Now, granted, Cincinnati dominated from the start, and I even tried to pull out TC's play out of the playbook and you know give the congratulations uh, text in the first quarter. Right? Yeah, you know, do the old reverse. Now, this jinx. is the Cincinnati New England. We got to set the stage yeah. for people that had missed the show on Friday, as Marco's best bet was Cincinnati, and and Jay had no, I had New, I mean, England. I, New England. Yeah, yeah, Marco had New England, and Jay had Cincinnati, and the look on Jay's face was like, "What? <laughs> You're taking the Patriots?" I did, and. I'm supposed to cover that game. I, I didn't deserve it, but at the Wait, end, you were down 22 nil. But they <laughs> lost by four. I they know. miss an extra point on the first one, which makes them go for two on the second yep. one. Too early to start chasing the points, but they yes. go for two on the second one. Miss when they scored the third touchdown. I said, "All right, we're going to get a push out of this. They're going to kick the extra point because they needed to kick the extra point at that point in the game." He misses a second extra point. Mm-hmm. Nick Folk, what what is up with him? Uh, uh, I, a wily just, veteran. 
Usually you can count on this guy. Yeah. I mean, granted, it was in New England. It was cold and everything. But still, you you don't do that. And I lose by four. So Jay gets to eat. Now, at least I can tell friends that, hey, the bad news is I lost a meal. The good news is I'm getting to have that meal with somebody that owns a super. NFL quarterback in a Super Bowl ring. That's right. When I told him that I lost the bet to even, it just didn't have the same, it didn't have the same kick. <laughs> oh, that's it. One guy's got a Super Bowl ring. One guy's got a radio show. Yeah. You're right. It just doesn't add up. But now with the game that you and I were head to head, you know, San Francisco and Washington, I mean, I don't want to hear any excuses. You got, you got drill pressed from the beginning of this one. Like I said. Yeah, I thought Washington would show up for that one, and uh, it it wasn't pretty. That one was over early. And Brock Purdy, you've got to make them the favorites right now. I mean, who do you like better in the NFC to go to the Super Bowl Philly, right now? Philly is going to be tough, man, when Jalen Hurts is back and healthy. And again, talk about that game. They sh- they gifted that game to the Cowboys. Yeah. Wasn't for a fumble. It wasn't Gardner Minshew's fault. No. Really? You know, this is... No, I think Philly and San Francisco and that game will be in Philadelphia if they win out. One and two seeds there. Mm. Uh, because obviously the Niners want that two seed, not the three seed. So, yeah. Um, I, San Francisco's built for winning on the road. But again, Brock Purdy on the road. He's going to have to deal with weather conditions more than likely. That game is going to be, you know, the... At the end of uh, January, so we'll see. But uh, I like both those teams, and I, you know, depending on what the injury status is and what the point spread is going to be, don't know which side I'm going to be on as of right now. The thing about San Francisco, why you know I like them so much, is the defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm and old. Defense school. travels too. You know, I'm old yep. school. I like you know you in December, in January football. You want the defensive team that can slow somebody down. At least for Philadelphia, mm-hmm. they're not handcuffed to the fact that you know, like some of these teams that are passing teams that if you get in climate weather, you get wind, you're screwed. That's not the case with Philadelphia because they can run the football. Obviously, even better whenever you know you have a healthy uh, Jalen Hurts, but. They're going to be the two teams, but I, I'll tell you what, that'll be interesting to see what that line, what that line would be. Yeah. Because if San Francisco wins out, uh, and playing the dominant defense that they are right now, it's going to be interesting. All right. Let's go back to the Steelers and Raiders game on Saturday night. And when we were last together on the show Friday at the Westgate, the Superbook, I had asked you if you were going to be involved in the game and you weren't sure. And you know, Pittsburgh, I had them as a best bet. I, I felt, fairly confident with them. Did you do anything with the game? As I said on Friday in the other shows that I did, I said, you know, I love the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I always bet with my head. Mm -hmm. And this was one time that I wasn't going to do that because of the circumstances and everything. You did say you were going to probably going to lean towards betting with your heart. You did say that. I did say that, but what I ended up doing, I did the, the best emotional hedge. I did what the smartest play was, and that was tease the Raiders. So I had a teaser with the Raiders um, going uh, to Sunday with a, you know, with Tampa Bay and we cashed that teaser. But yeah, I was rooting for Pittsburgh in that game. And for me, that was the perfect outcome. Mm -hmm. Win by three and stay under the teaser number. But, you know, the, the atmosphere there, I was a little disappointed in, uh, granted, it's Christmas Eve and it was Frigid cold in Pittsburgh. There were a lot of empty seats. There were. It, I, you know, a yeah. shore stadium. I, I still can't. Right, right. But it, the people that were there were diehard Steeler fans and it was an 
absolute emotional setting. The when they retired the number and it had to be so. I mean, it was hard for me as a fan, you know, to digest what happened in that course of you know from Tuesday night, Wednesday morning to playing this game on Saturday. I cannot imagine Franco's wife and son mm-hmm. that soon on the field with that, you know. Yeah. And you know what we look back. They won it in Steeler fashion. The defense, I don't know if you, I know, I heard some of your opening, you know, comments on, you know, Derek Carr and stuff. You know, was it, you know, the Steeler defense rising to the occasion or was it the Raiders just, you know, being the Raiders and blowing leads? But the Steelers played inspired football. And some guys, I don't, I hate to jump the gun and people make comparisons, but people are going to say, if they look back and Kenny Pickett goes on to be something, that that was his coming out game. Yeah. That leading that that game winning drive at the end, he didn't do enough during the game to win the game, but he didn't. He wasn't the other side of that to lose the game either. He kept them in the game, and for the first time, took the field, took the team down the field on a game winning drive in the fourth quarter. You know that that was impressive, and you couldn't have scripted Saturday night any better. I totally agree with you. Again, you just you just kind of felt it. That, you know, you're just waiting for the Steelers offense to get going and it, it didn't get going until 255 left in the game. But again, hey, if you're going to get it d- done, you know, no, no better time than at the end. And, uh, kudos to him. And again, you know, getting the first down on, on fourth and inches and w- with a sneak. Uh, but then the very next play connecting on the 14 yard touchdown pass. You know, um, was, was fantastic as well, too. So no, kudos to Pickett. And again, like I said, I mean, Pickett outplayed Carr, like so many of these other quarterbacks, you know, when they went head to head this year, you know, against the Raiders. And, uh, so yeah, here's the question though. Could Mitchell Trubisky have done that last night or Saturday night? Mitchell Trubisky probably gives the Steelers the better chance to win, but there's just something about the locker room. Mm-hmm. There's a different chemistry when Pickett's on the field because I think everybody knows this is never, ever going to be Trubisky's team. This was a one-year bridge to try to get in because he was bad at the beginning of the season. He lost that job earlier than I thought he would, and Pickett's done it. So the big factor for me is Mike Tomlin still has his record mm-hmm. in play yet for the final two two weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. Now he's going to have a tough Tough, tough time of it this week going to Baltimore. I mean, we've talked about that that rivalry in Baltimore needing, you know, the game and such. It'll be interesting to see, but I still think they finish under 500. Good victory for the Steelers, 13 to 10. You know, going back to the, the ceremony, I've never really cared for doing these ceremonies at halftime because you're rushed. And again, if the home teams, uh, you know, or if they're losing or they don't play well, it just kind of, it does. It kind of affects the mood and everything of that nature. But I thought that the whole ceremony was rushed. Uh, and I'll talk about it tomorrow on a, on a terrible Tuesday that, uh, you know, we didn't get a chance to see much of it because, you know, they, they wanted to cut away on the NFL network. That was atrocious. But how did you feel about when Rooney was, was there with Franco's wife and son? And he had some nice words to say, of course. And then he wants to give the family the jersey. Put this thing in a frame. Yeah. I mean, you know, just to hand him a jersey, like they don't have a bunch of jerseys with Frank, with Harris 32 on this thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, if this is a retirement ceremony, 
he looked like he, he got the jersey just right out of the pro shop mm-hmm. in the stadium, out of a bag. I mean, to me, where's the frame? Let's do this upright. And it's not like this was rushed because that ceremony was planned prior to Franco's, you know, passing. Exactly. And so I was, that was, I Did you notice that or was that just I, me? No, no, I noticed that as well. What Steeler Nation went up in arms when the NFL network cut away oh. right when they were going to go to the video tribute. I, I mean, they. Because if you're not at the game, you don't see it. Right. So majority of the world did not see the video tribute. And let's go to the video tribute. And what do we get? An Intel commercial. Yeah. I mean, come on. I I was more upset about that. Yeah. You know, and right. it's and, and again, I'm different because, you know, I you know, Pittsburgh Steelers have been my lifeblood for how many years, my team. And uh I was irate over that, but uh ended up you could go to YouTube and find it. They they did post it on there. Mm. All right, so back to the prime rip. Okay. <laughs> So how did you prepare the prime rib? And you do you look like you got a you got a rub on there. You just is it marinated? I put the give I me put, the love. Is this the, from your 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 butcher that you're raving to me about? Or is this is this a store bought thing? No, I bought the prime rib, but I did everything else. I mean, I bought no, I the know. meat. Yeah, yeah, I did all the. Yeah, yes. You want me to say on air? Did I rub my meat? I did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. I know. I know where you're going. Okay. So we got. Yes, I, I did the rub. And wait, uh, wait, no, 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 no. no. Uh, you. I know you rub that meat, but you make it sound like you're a good meat rubber. This is a thing that you do. <laughs> I, and you told me this before. This, you know, I, I am a butcher from way back. Right. I grew, I grew my dad owned a, okay. a you okay. know, processing plant, yeah. you know, yeah. back in the day they were called slaughterhouse. So you're a professional meat rubber. I, I, I am. Okay. A meat cutter. Meat and, cutter. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, but, and then we put some seasoning on, but I put the seasoning on overnight. Dad sat in a fridge all night with, with the seed. And the key to it is you got to put kosher salt on the outside to start with because that, mm keeps the juices inside. Then you put the rest of your spices and rubs on, and then uh, away we went. We were about three hours uh, in the oven. We go first 15 minutes at a very high heat to get that crust on the outside to hold the juices in. And then it's just, (laughs) it was good. It was good. It was good. It it looked very good, too. And obviously, there's there's no leftovers. Um, There actually was a piece this morning, and I had uh, prime rib and eggs for breakfast. Uh, Instead of of bringing it here, you know. You hear what he said? He goes, I should have sent you a picture. No, you should have brought some of the prime rib. (laughs) That's what you should have done. I mean, what the heck? (laughs) You're just teasing us, man. That's good. No, I know how uh, seriously you take uh, your... Your uh, your chef boyardeeism. So uh, no, very very nicely done. Uh, look uh, now, is a prime rib is that a, a tradition for you for Christmas or is that just? Believe it or not, that is the first time I cooked I cooked a prime rib uh, at home myself. That's one of those like items it. that you know you go out. It's just you know yes, you because because it's never usually as good at home, right? It, but, no, this, but was? this was this was damn good. I got to right. say, I'm, I'm I'm a little biased, but it was good. But you don't have you know to cook for if you have a lot of people. You know, a prime rib's nice, but that also gets expensive, you know, buying a giant prime rib. And we had just the right a number of family members there yesterday. Still had the traditional ham as well, you know, but uh it was good. Hey, all right. There it is. Better than the games I watched yesterday. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Chef Marco, exactly. And we talked about this. This Sunday was probably going to be like that. It was a true. And that, that middle game was one of the worst that I've ever seen. And we'll talk about that on the other side. Oh. And it was so bad that Nathaniel Hackett <laughs> is out of a job today. He's unpacking his office. All right. 
I don't even know how to transition into this, you know, because I wanted to say something, but <sighs> wake up the gimp. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I wanted to say something about meat rubbing or something, but just it just wouldn't go. People that saw the movie and know the scene from Pulp Fiction, they know what I'm talking about. All right, Marco D'Angelo is in the house. When we come back, we're going to break down week 16. Oh, yeah. Pretty exciting Saturday. We'll talk a little bit more about uh, what's a look ahead for this week because we got some College Bowl Championship games on Saturday. We look forward to that with the uh, semifinals. All right, Chuck Esposito is going to join us next hour as well, too, as we continue on a marvelous Monday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. Ladies and gentlemen. Ali, a sneaky right hand. Another sneaky right hand. This time he works over the shoulder for me. passed away here in 2022. It's our Boxing Open on Boxing Day. But remember, that is not what Boxing Day is. A lot of people say, what's Boxing Day? It appears in your calendar on your phone or whatever, and people, it's Boxing Day. Marco, are you familiar with Boxing Day? I am familiar with Boxing Day, but you guys got to start a live stream so people could have seen Numchuck and TC. <laughs> Shadow boxing one another in yeah. the studio. That's what we do. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> I'm a lucky guy here yeah. sitting ringside. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Boxing Day is a holiday celebrated after Christmas Day, occurring on the second day, as they say, Christmas Tide, December 26th in England. It's an English day, right? It originated um, basically in England. As a holiday to give gifts to the poor. So today is that Boxing Day, not the Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier Boxing Day. All right. <laughs> there it is. Um, it's a shopping holiday. And I know our good friend Paul Buck Power Stewart in England, he's participating in that. And I have people from Canada that are part that participate in Boxing Day and they'll say, Happy Boxing Day. I can hardly wait till Boxing Day. Well, wait a minute. 
I just said this is an English holiday, right? It comes from Great Britain. What, what are the Canadians doing? They're trying to get a free day of, of gifts. I, I'm sure they, they, you know, they do the same thing for Christmas. They're trying to go back to back. What are they doing? Trying to rip off uh, England's holiday. So when you first said about day after Christmas and Boxing Day, I thought that was the day the credit card statement came in at the house after Christmas shopping. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, that box. Yeah. Yeah. No, today is Boxing Day. There it is. Um, I don't know, man. There it is. I don't think. uh, Should we do a new show open with that type of boxing? Is it just going to be a bunch of cardboard crumbling? Right. right, Exactly right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, thank you. Marco D'Angelo is in the house with us here on this Monday. Chuck Esposito will join us at the bottom of the hour talking about uh, NFL uh, week number 16. We'll get through that. Uh, but first, Marco, uh, we talked about, uh, you know, I know you had a, a great Christmas uh, with, your, with your family and everything. You already talked to us last hour about uh, your, your chef skills. Uh, here's my question. All right. What about your, what's your TV viewing? Because, I was very disappointed, and we talked about this on Friday, that we had these three standalone games. And all three games were set up really to be garbage. And granted, we did say, okay, well, the first one looks to be pretty good with the Packers and the Dolphins. Turned out out to be good. Uh, Tua was a mess. Uh, Look at all the quarterbacks that were a mess yesterday. Tua was terrible. Russell Wilson was terrible again. Well, Tua's been quite awful again and again, too. Uh, Baker Mayfield looked decent, but then again, he's playing the Broncos. Uh, Brady wasn't good, you know, last night in their victory against, uh, you know, McSorley, uh, for, for Arizona. So a lot of bad quarterbacks uh, yesterday. So I found myself, you know, perusing the television and I do get a text from, uh, Gilby the intern yesterday. And he says, Hey, he goes, turn this on. What is this tech ball? I go, oh, dude, Tech Ball has been a star of it's been a star of Terrible Tuesday a, a year ago. Yes, so I, and yeah, so of course I turned on. Have you seen Tech Ball? No, I have not. Oh, oh you geez. need to watch. I it. I don't even know how to explain it. It's like this ramp or whatever with like a soccer ball. No, it's like it, a little mini trampoline. Mini trampoline. And you like yeah. bounce the ball. You have to hit the trampoline and then go. It's, it's like volleyball. Foot. Yeah, with, with your feet. You're kicking it. Yeah. Yeah. And you're heading it. it, it it's stupid. And they're play. And yeah, that's going on. And then. I get to some uh dog disc challenge. Did you see that last night? No. That that again, ESPN, they're famous, aren't they? Jeez. And this is in a ballpark. Look like a minor league ballpark. A pretty nice one. Nobody was in the park. All you could see was empty stands, and they're talking about how the wind is affecting Sparky and the disc. Uh, yeah. And you had Sparky, you had Sweetie, you had all this other nonsense going. And here are these ladies running around chasing a Frisbee, and the dogs can't chase the Frisbee because it's so windy. And this is on my television. And there is nothing but empty seats. I mean, no ticket takers, no ushers needed, no vendors. Why is this on my TV? Were you watching the Ocho? No, 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 no. That's regular ESPN and ESPN two. Did no ESPN two? No, they like didn't. Ocho? No, no, no. no. It was no cherry spitting seeds and all that. Ball no, that and yeah. Dog frisbees. Yeah, because That's... they got nothing to do exactly on these holidays, and it makes me sick. All right, really, it's more for a terrible Tuesday. But so I'm curious, Marco, what was on your TV screen last night? Do you have a tradition? What do you do on Christmas TV? Well, the wife loves Christmas movies, and her favorite is. Uh, 
Christmas Vacation with Chevy Chase. Oh, that's, nice. Yeah. That's okay. nice. So she'll watch that. Was that on last night? She has it taped and watch uh, it. You know, yeah. five, she's probably watched it five times this holiday season. You know, okay, <laughs> but uh, we did do the old classic last night. We had family staying with us and so forth. So we did, uh, you know, Jimmy Stewart and uh, you know, it's a wonderful life and you know, do that and that was it. It was better than the last two football games. The first game terrible. Was the first two games were okay, or the first game I should say, but the the middle one. Whenever the Rams looked as good as they did in what happened, we know the offense has been bad. <laughs> but Denver's defense, they make Baker look like a Hall of Fame quarterback. They hung up 51. Having you do a, a serious recap of a game over Holiday Road just doesn't go. It's so funny, though. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny for you. Hey, I am a pure professional. I can. You I know, know you are. I didn't. I didn't miss a beat while you two were boxing one another. You know, <laughs> coming we, out of the break. Yeah, yeah. It's you you're, you're lucky that he's not with us uh, on location. Oh, like it, like it, he it, used to be at the Cosmopolitan. Oh, yeah, but now he now he's relegated to the studio here. Yeah, you know, uh, place. Uh, so this was not on my viewing, but last night. Okay, so after the game was over, because I watched to the bitter end of the Tampa Bay. <laughs> Uh, victory because I, I was involved in that game on the money line. Thank goodness, uh, but that was that was ugly to watch as well too. Ugly, but uh, for me, uh, it was kind of curious uh, to see what was on last night. The movie channels because you know I'm a big HBO Showtime type of guy, right? So uh, I I came across uh, oh the Equalizer was on, and then on another channel was Equalizer two, two of my favorite. You know Denzel did great in both those, but then I'm scrolling down and guess what's on. The Longest Yard. Um, yeah, e- exactly. Now, again, every time I see it, like on on the guide, and, and I get my select button, I'm like, I'm doing what I'm doing now, which no. I like. I'm like, like, I, I'm I got my feet set. Like, do I dare press this? Because if it is the original 1974 with Burt Reynolds, I'm gonna be ecstatic. But if it's the Adam Sandler one, yeah. then I'm gonna I'm gonna lose it. I'm, I'm I might break my TV. So I gingerly hit the select button last night. 1974, baby! Burt Reynolds, caretaker! Oh, Granville! I said, I, I spent that watching that. And then when that was over, I guess it must have been a Burt Reynolds movie thon. Boogie Nights. How about that for a Christmas movie? <laughs> Marco, I hope your wife is not listening. Lori, I hope you're not listening right now. Funny story with Boogie Nights. Uh, our Lori's sister. Was Best sta- soundtrack of all time. Anyway, was well, sta- number two. Was staying with us. We have all the movie channels okay. like you do. Yeah. And she fell asleep watching a movie. I don't know what she was watching, but she when she woke up, because, you know, the movies just keep coming. Right. On, you know, uh. Boogie Nights was on when she woke up. <laughs> What, what scene? What scene am I afraid to ask? Uh, she said there were noises, and she didn't know. You know, she wakes up out of a sleep. And is like, <laughs> is Marco and Laura? What's going on? Uh, then she saw what was going on, and it wasn't because I don't get those kind of sounds. So, so, so Marco is asleep. And Marco woke up like this. Roller girl. Lori, <laughs> uh, put your skates back on. <laughs> Uh, those that have uh, seen Boogie Nights, uh, I know what I'm talking about there. Here, here's a great track from Boogie Nights. Ah. Chikakas? I think that's the, the group called. Look at Marco. Lori does not listen to the show when you're on, does she? Good thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, I thought that was that was rather unique or strange last night. That uh, Boogie Nights, Longest Shard, all these you know R-rated movies. Uh, there it is. Yeah. So yeah, my house was a little bit different than yours. Uh, no uh, miracle on you know Fifty Fourth Street, Forty Fifth, whatever it is. I, I don't know Forty Second. I don't know Times Square, whatever. And you know those Christmas movies. No, they they're, they're not making it. You know on, on my TV. Not even Bruce Willis Die Hard. It has before, but okay. you know, again, and I've slipped in. I saw that, you know, the Die Hard one, two, and three were all on last night. But um, you know, if I, you know, come across it, and you know, I'm, I might hang with it for a little bit. But some of these movies, like Boogie Nights, um, you know, I just oh. The beginning. I can't remember the beginning. And it's like, okay, I just want to watch the beginning. Because a lot of times when you go to a movie, it's always in the middle or in something. And, uh, yeah, I was guilty. I, I, I hung all the way through it. I just couldn't, couldn't get rid of it. Are you a guy that if you're scrolling and you see a movie that you like, you just, you, you have to watch it, especially there's always yeah. a scene you like. Yes. Get out. I'm one of those guys. Yeah. I'm, exactly. There's a few movies like that. For I me. mean, again, you know, everyone knows how crazy I am about Pulp Fiction. And w- even when I do that, it's like, uh, okay, I've seen it 182 times. And, uh, okay, no, no, I just gotta see. I gotta see what part it's on. Yeah. And then, yeah, so I'm one of those guys. So I'm, for me, the sports movie is Rudy. If I'm going yes. through and Rudy, I you've got to watch the the scene. You know, the stadium chant. Rudy, yeah, you got to hang to the end, you right? Got, you got same thing. Yeah. And same thing with me for the longest yard okay. because you want to get through. You know, all that stuff to get to. You know, the comeback in the fourth quarter by the mean machine. Mm-hmm. Now the beginning's cool, but then it goes through that, that, that 10, 15 minute stretch where he's, you know, throwing the game. And that's kind of disturbing because you've built all this camaraderie between, you know, yourself mm-hmm. and the, and, and the convicts. And they've all bonded together, especially when the brothers come over from the greater Chicago youth authority. And it's like, okay, now they got a real team here. And then all of a sudden, you know, that Eddie Albert, you know, comes over from Green Acres as the warden, <laughs> Warden Hazen, and he says, you're going to lose this game by 21 points and, or more. And he starts to, you know, to tank what he's, which is what he's famous for. I, I love the movie. It's beautifully written, but there's that like 10 minute thing where I turn off of it because mm-hmm. I want to come back when, when the rally comes back. That's when you get your drink and snacks. Yeah. 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 So you're ready there. For and the I don't thing. like it. And, and I, I'm, I'm emotional. Huh? I don't like it when caretaker dies, yeah. you know, when he gets killed. And, and so I purposely click off of that and then come back when, when that's over. And then now we're going to the game. There you go. How about those cheerleaders in the longest yard? Did you like them? <laughs> <laughs> so from cell block C. <laughs> No comment. You know what I'm talking about. I no. know. <laughs> you, how many times have you seen the movie? And were you a big fan of the original? Uh, I've seen it several times, but you know, I was a fan, but not a fanatic fan with that one. Not like me. There's movie. No. You know, a lot of my movies are sports movies that I like. Yeah. You know, I love you Hoosiers. When we I'm get to Mar- when we get to March Madness yeah. to get me ready yeah. for it, yeah. I'll that week before the you know opening round, I'll watch it. Something just that just gets you you know right. psyched and ready. In my feel good movie, my go to, uh, a lot of people. You know, a lot of people don't know this movie. Richard Dreyfus. Jennifer Tilly. Let it ride. Let it ride. Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Uh, another one of those for me. When that's yeah. on, I'm I'm there and I'm there for the duration. Yeah. Of course, it's a great movie. Yep. But you remember, The Longest Yard is a sports movie. It's a great sports movie. And I'm that way too with Remember the Titans. Okay. I, I'm on Titan. Remember the Titans. I, it's hard for me to, to click off. 
you know, so I always wish that they would have done like sequels to like all of those. But you, you know? know what? Every time know. Se- they I never know. turn out. I know. But don't you want to, like me, you want to be the director and, and do it right. And then when they do some of these sequels, it's like, ah. But I will say that about Equalizer 2. Mm. It was really just as good as, as one or close. It was. But I mean, there's so many that were not. You're right. All right. Uh, week 16, man. Uh, so how, how did you do when it was all said and done at the window? Uh, I had a smite, slight loss for the weekend with uh, the client plays, and uh, we did okay with the bowl games uh, that we did. But uh, t- the NFL, that uh, New England hurt me on mm-hmm. Saturday. I, I did not – kudos to Cincinnati. They're playing great great football, but it was one of those cases where they just had so many big games in a row, and they got that Monday nighter next week. Um, that's going to be fun. Uh, we finally are going to get a – a really good Monday night football game for basically all the marbles because it's going to come down to, you know, possible home, you know, home field situations. If Kansas City stubs their toe along the way, you got the Buffalo Cincinnati game on Monday night. So I am looking forward to that one. All right. Uh, looking at Saturday's, uh, action. Uh, you mentioned the, uh, the Bengals jump out to a 22 nothing lead. The Patriots come back, score 18 and, uh, the Bengals do hang on for, a uh, victory there. Uh, Buffalo did what they do. They went to Chicago, and though they fell behind early, boom, just uh, blasted uh, the Bears 35 to 13 yesterday. And then again, Marco, we talked about it yesterday or the Friday, and we could not handicap it because it just seemed impossible to handicap uh, Vikings and the Giants. And the Vikings did it again. Another one score game, another close game. And again, they pull out a close game. And I found myself secretly rooting for the Giants here. Just because the Vikings and Kirk Cousins make me sick, but they had enough to beat these lower echelon teams. The Vikings, all you got to do is tease the dog in the Vikings games, right? It's it's gold uh, because every every game is coming down to one possession, and you get that extra six points working for you. Or if you're somebody that does teaser pleasers and get a little more points working for you, we won't mention anybody's name. <laughs> Do not make fun of the 10-point teaser at minus 120, my friend. Manipulate the line 30 points? Come on. Uh, Carolina took it to Detroit yesterday, so kind of put a squash to to the Lions' uh, hopes a little bit. But uh, Carolina, uh, big game coming up against Tampa Bay now. And Carolina was left for dead. They fired Matt Rule, and then boom, look how they have responded here. I don't know about you. But when you look at this NFC South, and it's putrid, it's awful, just like the AFC South, right? And and Tampa Bay still has a lead there. But watching what Tampa Bay did again last night, not impressive at all. To me, I think the Panthers are playing the best football of anyone in that division right now. Uh, even though the Saints are playing okay, but I still can't get past Andy Dalton. But, I mean, Carolina does not have a marquee quarterback, but Carolina... They get rid of Christian McCaffrey, and they're still running the ball down people's throats. That's the big thing. I mean, the coach, we always talk about firing a coach generally sparks a team. But when you fire a coach and then you trade away the arguably the best player, I mean, with a, how can you argue that he was the best player on that team when healthy? That looked like a team that was, you know, waving the white flag, and yet they are, you know, they control their own destiny, and if they can beat Tampa, they're going to be your – NFC uh, South uh, champions, and that's hard to believe 
from just six weeks ago mm-hmm. that that's even a possibility. But Tom Brady last night, I, I had Tampa. I had a teaser, you know, with them. So I just needed them to win the game. It was sickening to watch the one play where he threw the interception, you know, deep down. The guy was wide open, wide open for a touchdown. That's mm-hmm. a touchdown. 95 out of 100 throws from Tom Brady. And he not only doesn't get the ball to him, he underthrows it so badly that he gets picked off. It's Don't forget about the in the first quarter when he had a wide-open receiver in the end zone and he missed him yep. as well, too. So, you know, it was uh, – I actually split that game because I also had the over in that game, which, you know, didn't get there. But if they make those – if he makes those two scores that they should have had, it changes the complexion because then Arizona's behind by more and then you got attack where the whole game it was they're sitting there within three points of each other. So it was a conservative game and stayed under the total. Deonta Foreman, 165 yards yesterday for Carolina. We're talking about missing Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> it's it's amazing. And we've seen this. When you have teams that are basically us against the world mentality and playing like there's no pressure on them whatsoever. That's the Carolina Panthers. And I know that when we look ahead to, you know, coming up this week here, you're looking at Carolina uh, playing Tampa Bay, right? And this game has Tampa Bay favored by three at home. I, I think I'm all in on, on Carolina and will definitely teasing Carolina. You're they're definitely going to be a teaser possibility. The thing that the difference when we get to these games and the same thing, there's another team in the AFC South. Jacksonville's come on like gangbusters and they control their own destiny. Yep. Um they actually there's have the one. lead they have yep. the lead over Tennessee. I mean talk about Tennessee and a team that's collapsed. Uh, you know, this was a team that was running away with their division just a month ago and they can't get out of their own way. You have to question when you get these teams, like you said, playing with house money, no pressure, what they do when it, now that it's a reality, because before it's house money, there's nothing you, you know, there's no pressure, but now you're in a position that you're basically one game or two games away from getting it done. How do they handle it now that it is for real? Mm-hmm. That's going to be the the big question with both of those games this weekend, the Tampa Bay game and uh, Jacksonville and Tennessee. Whenever they hook up, yeah, and you're right. You know, Tennessee has just been downright abysmal the way they have closed the season here, and you know, losing at home to the Houston Texans, and we've seen the Titans uh, fail miserably, especially at home. Uh, they're done. In my, uh, they are just totally done. And I will take a team like Jacksonville, a team like Carolina, who are, have strung together, you know, two or three victories in a row here. Uh, they're playing the better football. I, I will, I, I will definitely be on them. And, uh, again, you know, when these teams are, are playing tight like that, it looks like Tennessee is just playing tight. And when you don't have Ryan Tannehill, now you've got, you know, uh, they're, they're back, uh, you know, Malik Willis uh, out there. I mean, just, you know, uh, throwing interceptions, coughing up the ball. Derek Henry fumbles. I mean, it just, it's just, it's not good. It's not good. And if you, if you're thinking that, well, the Tennessee Titans are going to turn things around, tell me when, because they have been downright awful for the better part of the last month. They have, and you've got one of the best running backs, if not the best running back in your back. But he hasn't done anything in, in a month. I, yeah. yeah. I, what happened? I mean, where do you put the blame? You know, yes, uh, Tannehill's been hurt, but 
we were never singing his praises when he was healthy. Correct. Uh, you know, so yeah, this is a team and, you know, the defense has given up too many long drives. Um, when they do have leads, they can't protect them. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting week. There'll be a few teaser opportunities, you know, this weekend where you've got small favorites and low totals. And we know we love to take the dogs in those spots. The Eagles uh, finally lose. They're 13 and 2 now. They lost to the Cowboys 40 to 34. The Eagles, remember, came in here as a, a four point underdog and they had the better part of this game against the Cowboys. Uh, Gardner Minshew was not bad at all, filling in for. For Jalen Hurts. Now we don't know if that was just a one game situation. They're going to continue to monitor Hurts's uh, shoulder, his right shoulder. But Minshew was 24 for 40, 355 yards, had two touchdowns, but he did throw two interceptions as well. But then the Eagles also had a costly fumble uh, here as well, too. Uh, actually, Eagles had had two fumbles, so four turnovers for the Eagles at the most inopportune time, especially in the fourth quarter. There, they really gave that game away to the Dallas Cowboys and, and that hurt them because now it's a season series split even though the Eagles will probably, they still have enough to win the division but you know if Philadelphia does slide you know and especially if Hurts isn't healthy the Cowboys could catch him here and this game could could prove meaningful that victory for the Cowboys they just need to win one of the final two games yeah. if I'm the coach of Philadelphia because Minshew did not lose that game for you I start Minshew again this week to give Jalen Hurts another week to recuperate. Then I would play him some in the last game just so that he doesn't have a four-week stretch between starts because they're going if they hold on to the number one seed, they'll have the bye, and you don't want them not playing for that long. In my opinion, that's the way I would do it, even if you just have him in there for a half. Yeah, and uh, we know that Hurts is such a competitor. I mean, he wanted to play this week. So you know that he's going to be banging on the door saying, hey, you know, get me in there. I'm fine. Uh, And the Eagles do have a somewhat friendly schedule. Both these games are at home for them in Philly. They close against the Saints and the Giants. So like you said, all they have to do is win one of the two games. They have a two-game lead over the Cowboys right now. Cowboys 11-4 and and Philly 13-2. and And that brings us to San Francisco. As we mentioned, got the victory against Washington yesterday. San Francisco now sitting at 11-4, and same record as the Cowboys. And uh, we know that the Vikings are a division winner in the NFC North, already clinching it at 12 and three. Niners have clinched the West at 11 and four. So San Francisco definitely has uh, playoff seeding to play for here. Not only this week when they come to Vegas to take on the Raiders, but the following week as well. And so again, no one hotter than the San Francisco 49ers. And all the problems that we've discussed uh, at great length with Derek Carr. What's he going to do against? This is the best defense. I mean, Pittsburgh played with emotion in the defense. Anytime Watts healthy, the Steeler defense is better than it is. And that's why you can't go by the season numbers because he missed so many. But what is he going to do against this 49er defense and pressure? Mm-hmm. Not looking good. Mm-hmm. You know, the Raiders were looking to, okay, close the season here with some victories. I believe that their best chance was Saturday night against the Steelers if if they were going to have a, a chance, even though I, I picked the Steelers. San Francisco, they're not winning, and then they're going to close the season against Kansas City at Allegiant Stadium. Now, weeks ago, we're thinking, okay, well, Kansas City may rest Mahomes, they got nothing to play for, and the Raiders may get one of those meaningless wins. Well, as it stands right now, you know, we'll see what happens this weekend. 
But I got a feeling that Kansas City is going to be playing for something because they do not want to go to Buffalo in you know for that AFC Championship game if it plays out that way. Now you still got like you mentioned, you got Cincinnati to deal with, so you got Buffalo, Kansas City, Cincinnati all vying for that. Not a good sign for the Raiders, and I hope so because when Kansas City comes to town. I want to see Patrick Mahomes. I want to see Travis Kelsey. I want to see that defense. I want to see them with something to play for. And as you know, the NFL will have these games at the same time too, which will be meaningful. A la what we do with soccer at the end of, uh, you know, pool play here in that final game of pool play. So, uh, I hope it, it, it's a meaningful game because I want to see the Chiefs come in here and, and be the Chiefs. I loved when they finally did that a few years back, changing the schedule, because it was ridiculous for us to try to handicap the games because you're, if, you know, if this happens, then this doesn't mean anything. But if that happens it, in, you know, it's like trying to bet the NBA overnight. Right. right. <laughs> who's who's re- going to play? And remember, and we still get this to a certain degree on this final uh, Sunday is that lines would be held out sometimes until maybe an hour or two. You know, they would take them off the board in the morning and they're going to adjust to see what happens. And then all of a sudden you could get some crazy line swings and changes as well, too. Yeah. And the books don't like that because the longer the lines are, they, yeah. they want the action. Yeah. And yeah. we'll talk to Chuck Esposito about that exactly when we come back. All right. We go out to Red Rock. We'll talk to Chuck about, uh, yesterday's games. Uh, who is good? Was it good for the books? Was it good for the players? And then also we'll handicap tonight's game as well, too. Pretty meaningful game, at least on one side, as the Chargers take on the Colts. Now, more of your favorite personal sports physician. Don't make me beg. T.C. Martin. Of course, you are a character. Doesn't mean that you have character. The doctor is now in. Don't forget, we will be at the Westgate of Las Vegas, the world-famous Superbook, on Friday, our Friday home. Gotta love it! Yeah. This is Jackie Brown. That's what this is. This is Jackie Brown. You know who's in the back of that trunk, Marco? See? I, 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 yeah. Chris Tucker is in the back of that trunk. Samuel Jackson. Yeah. He's checking that out. Hello, my love. I heard That's funny that uh, says that. This is Jackie Brown. Strawberry Letter 23. All right, uh, yeah, come on by, see the show live Monday, or rather Friday, and uh, Jay Schrader will be back in the house. He is, can hardly wait to race down to the Westgate on Friday. Is this three in a row for Jay? Two in a row. No, wasn't he last? He was three weeks. Last week. Last week, the week before that, and this week. No, two weeks. Now, you, you better check your scorecard. Yeah. Yeah. Jay was out of town the week before. Gotcha. Anyway, maybe. Who knows? All right. Maybe. Might be right. You might be right. Could be. Three in a row. That's good. You could be. Well, this is, you know, uh, Chris's vacation for some people. There you go. All right. Marco, are you going to show up on Friday? Because you know you're going to get ragged. Hey, you know what? <laughs> I dish it out all year. So, you know, the one week that it's coming my way, okay, I got to take it like a man, you know? <laughs> All right. Uh, we look forward to that. Come on by and see the show. It is our best bet segment each and every Friday, giving you our three best NFL plays and our three best college bowl games. And finally, Marco, we're getting some decent bowl games. And once Christmas is is over, this is the week we actually get 
some pretty good bowl games from now to the rest of the time. Then, of course, New Year's Day is going to be a little quirky because New Year's Day is actually going to be on a Sunday, and the NFL is taking back over the Sunday. But Monday will be some good bowl games, and I'm still not a fan of what we're going to see here on uh, on uh, with the Sugar Bowl because the Sugar Bowl with Alabama and K-State, a game that I am really looking forward to seeing. But did you notice when they were going to play this game? I did not look at the time. What time is it? Yeah, well, this is going to be a morning game. A Sugar Bowl is going to be the morning game with a 9 o'clock start uh, for us between um, K-State and Alabama, which I do not understand. 9 a.m. on Saturday morning, all right, uh, a Sugar Bowl should be in the evening. Sugar Bowl should be on New Year's Day night, right? Sugar Bowl. There's still, I mean, as we know, Alabama number five on the outside looking in barely. K State, Big 12 champs, right? And you're sticking us at nine o'clock in the morning with this game. This is just atrocious scheduling. Like you said, it's tradition. It was always New Year's, uh, New Year's Day, the night game. I would be on my third plate of pork and sauerkraut. <laughs> That's tradition for New Year's Day. Right. Watching, uh, the, the football all day, nonstop. Yeah. So uh let's look at the schedule for Saturday because Saturday will be decent, but it's Alabama K State, Iowa, Kentucky, Music City Bowl moves into to that slot there. And then we have the two standalone games. Of course, it is the Fiesta Bowl and the Peach Bowl, respectively. So at one o'clock it's TCU and Michigan in college football playoff semifinal number one in Ohio State, Georgia, uh at five PM in the nightcap. So that is your Saturday schedule. And I know we're going to handicap these games a lot during the course of the week, but uh, early look ahead, uh, TCU, Michigan, and uh, Ohio State, Georgia for you. Well, I, I love the Georgia team. I think Georgia is the best team in the country. They've been defending champs. They haven't done anything wrong. They've had a couple games where you can't go through an entire season and, you know, and not have maybe a flat spot here or there, but they took care of business when they needed to. And it's going to be tough. Uh, the TCU Michigan game, emotionally, I'd like to root for TCU, mm-hmm. but y- you just wonder, you know, that defense of Michigan, what we saw the last couple of weeks and then the way they opened up the offense. Um, it could be a long day for TCU. We saw, I know they earned their way there and everything, but last year, is this last year's Cincinnati team where it's just the feel good story and reality's gonna, you know, rear its ugly head? I totally believe in that because if they struggled the way we saw them struggle, not only last week with or la- la- the their last, last game. game against, uh, you know, K State, like you said, what is going to happen? Now, again, I'm not a, a, a huge Big Ten fan. I think the Big Ten is overrated because both Ohio State and Michigan played a lot of cupcakes. This year, of course, you can only play the teams that are in your conference on your schedule, but the Big Ten was not good this year. It wasn't. But just the way that TCU struggled and they lost to K State 31 to 28, uh, Baylor, they shouldn't have won that game. And Baylor, we saw how they closed the season on four straight losses. They won that game 29 to 20. And again, even Texas Tech 34 24, Texas 17 10. None of those teams really. You know, juggernauts uh, at all. West Virginia, 
they gave up 31 points to West Virginia. So I'm with you. I just think that it's a nice story. I like it. And a lot of times, you know, we get caught up in the underdog theory. Hey, they got a shot. They got a shot, especially when, you know, they announce uh, the playoff matchups. But now we've had three weeks. Now you sit back and you go, okay, the hype has has squashed a little bit. And I think that is one of the reasons why we see these blowouts a lot of times in the semifinals. You do. And, you know, how many times have we seen it with the poster child for having an easy schedule, making the playoff pitcher, Notre Dame. Every time they got there, it didn't end well for Notre Dame. Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma's where I was going to oh, okay. go next with them. Yeah. At least Oklahoma came from, you know, a supposed, you know, power conference, but it was Oklahoma and everybody else for how many years until, you know, this year. So yeah, it, we'll see what happens. And, uh, I'm looking forward. If we get a Georgia Michigan final, that's going to be fun. So there is that fraction of people out there that still think Ohio State is formidable and they think, you know, they're going back to Ohio State last year and the year before. Uh, this Ohio State team is a different team. Do you subscribe to the theory that, okay, after they got waxed by Michigan, they've had three weeks to kind of correct themselves here and we know that they've got talent. Do they maybe even as much talent as Georgia that they can kind of right the ship and be ready for this game? In theory, everything you're saying, having the extra time to prepare, you can hit the reset button. But they get the one thing that they get to do and the coach has to do it. We're the underdogs. Not only are we the underdogs in the game, which you know you would be, but you had to listen to everybody that last weekend saying, and I was one of them, Alabama, even with two losses, I thought deserved to be in over Ohio State. So that's a good motivational tool to use. You know, you put it up there on the billboard, we don't belong here. And you look at that every day and it gives you something, you know, to try to rise to the occasion. But this Georgia team, I mean, going back to last year, this is one of the best defenses in the country, if not, you know, the best. And you've got the quarterback that had a great year last year. He's there again and doing it and you've got that experience factor. That's one thing you can't take away. You can't replicate is, you know, the experience factor and being on that big stage last year in the way they came back. Cause if you remember the championship game last year, cause I do a lot. I had Georgia and it didn't look good for well into the third quarter. Alabama had the game and Georgia took control late third quarter and it was all them in the fourth and, uh, easy win after the fact. So. That's going to be tough, but I know there'll be a lot of people that will try to jump on the Ohio State bandwagon just because you don't get Ohio State as an underdog that often. It is hard to play Ohio State if you're going to, you know, remember what happened on their home field against Michigan. And you could say, okay, well, they were in the game for, for a half, but defensively, this is not the same Ohio State team. I mean, we've, we've seen this team get shredded and, you know, we, we've seen lesser teams hang around uh, with them. Heck, we could even say that really with, with Michigan as well, too. I mean, remember the Michigan-Illinois game? Yeah. I mean, that was – they were life and death. Now you could say, okay, well, they were looking ahead to the big rivalry game with Ohio State up on deck. But here's the thing with Georgia. You talk about their defense. They're ranked number one against the rush. But when you look at them points-wise and – Passing wise and overall yardage wise, they're 14th in the nation. You know, so it's, it's not like this is a 
top five or even a top ten defense. And even we go back to the SEC. Sure, the SEC is is better and, and tougher than uh, the, the Big Ten, but really Georgia didn't beat a lot of quality opponents either. I can agree and disagree with mm-hmm. you. The thing I'll say about the two things you pointed out, you know, they're very good against the rush. They've given up yardage passing. That's also part of because of the the games they were in. They generally had big leads, so teams weren't running the ball against them. They're playing catch up, and if you've got a big lead, you're going to give you know in the fourth quarter you're going to give up garbage yards uh teams you know in prevent defense a lot of times so those kind of stats can be a little bit misleading that's why i know a lot of people like to look at and keep just first half stats because the game's not decided yet you know you're you're talking everything equal and and see how teams dominate because those fourth quarters they can be very misleading you you know that with the uh, mm-hmm. garbage time uh, yardage their best win, though, you could probably make the case is, I mean, LSU, but that, you know, again, LSU was down this year and they won that, the SEC championship game 50 to 30. But it, you know, Georgia Tech. Okay. You tell, you tell me what's their best win. Okay. Georgia Tech, Kentucky, Mississippi State, Tennessee, probably Tennessee. They win 27 13, but we saw how, how Tennessee kind of closed the season. Uh, Florida, Vandy, Auburn was terrible. Missouri, not good this year. And, you know, the Oregon game, which we got to throw out because it was September the 3rd. So, uh, they didn't play Alabama. And again, the rest of SEC kind of down this year. So I think, you know, when you look at all four teams that are in the playoffs, Michigan, Ohio State, TCU, and Georgia, you really can't say that like, wow, they really beat a tough schedule. And we can usually say that with the SEC champion, whoever comes out of there, because usually, I mean, you you know, it's a, you know, you're winning through attrition, right? But that's really not the case with this SEC this season. The one thing that you said they beat Tennessee, but we saw what happened to Tennessee wasn't the same team once they lost the quarterback. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they faced Tennessee when they were at full strength and they did they shut down that offense that was scoring against everybody. So I was impressed with the Tennessee win. The Oregon, you know, at the beginning of the season, yeah, they had the advantage. But you always say the the best time to play somebody that's better than you is to play them that first game of the season because they don't have, you know, generally programs that are, you know, like the – the Georgias, the Alabamas, and so forth, they never, you know, reload. They, they just restock. I mean, they're, I should say, not rebuild. They just reload because they have people coming in. And sometimes you have to gel some new players into the, the roster, but they got annihilated. Oregon did in that game and it made Georgia look better than they were, obviously. But that Oregon offense, they held them to three points. Yeah. Oregon scored points on everybody this year. They only got three against Georgia. And the reason why I say throw it out because I mean you, you can't even you can't judge someone what happened September the third, the very first right. game. You really have to look at what has happened over the last four or five weeks of the of the regular season. Uh going back to the Alabama K State game, uh Alabama is a six point favorite. You got a total of fifty six in this game. Uh are you gonna have an opinion on this game? I have made a lot of money with Kansas State this year. And my initial reaction in this game was I was going to have a big play on Kansas State again because if you're Alabama, 
I'm thinking, where does the motivation come from? You're not playing for a national championship. A lot of people were making the case that you should have snuck in over Ohio State, so you got a double disappointment there. But whenever uh, Saban makes the the announcement, you know, last week, you know, all hands are on deck. Mm-hmm. That you know changes things a little bit because part of, and we've talked about it over and over again in these bowl games. The first thing you got to look at is motivation. Who wants to be there and play? We don't have to worry about that, obviously, in the champion, you know, playoff championship games, but the other ones you do. And that was a big concern. And I know a lot of people jumped on Kansas State early to get the best number, thinking that there were going to be a ton of op out. You know, why would anybody risk getting hurt that's going to the NFL? Um, you know, for Alabama with nothing to play for. But if Saban can get them there and uh, stay focused, We'll have to go with that. Oh, oh we got a food bet coming. Oh, I thought, here we go. I thought, I'd, I thought I'd give it right back to him. Yeah. Right. And, and I purposely wrote, like, you know, trying to bad chicken scratch, you know, because I yeah. gave you a bad time last week yeah. about, well, we were on our best bets and we had the, we had the food bet. I got a feeling we're going to have a food bet on this game. We could have it. Yeah. could have it. Yeah. All right, and uh, that'll be determined uh, on, on Friday. Yeah, because you know you might change your mind between now and Friday. I I've got a whole <laughs> week to uh, look at this, and and again, you know, you're gonna f- you'll hear things come out from practices and so forth, and beat writers, and you know, teams focused or having a good time, whatever, and you know, try to figure that stuff out, and that's why the bowl games. I always say we try to get the best numbers, TC. Yeah. But these bowl games, you you you've got to have all the information available to you. You do. And, and it, we've seen a lot of these games, mm-hmm. and that's something you, you know we'll talk with you know when we talk with bookmakers. Mm-hmm. We've seen some line moves on game day of some of these bowl games, and they haven't been necessarily right. 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 Uh, I felt pretty good about uh, a couple of my early bowl picks that I made on, on Friday mm-hmm. uh, with Middle Tennessee State. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, you talk about motivation. That's one of the reasons why I played them. I think I made yeah. that case on Friday against San Diego State. And even though they the stats were kind of upside down in favor of San Diego State, but they turned the ball over five times. But if you watch that game middle, in the Hawaii Bowl, I mean, Middle Tennessee was just – they. I mean, they were hungry. They came to play. Uh, their defense really rose to the occasion. Uh, they pulled out some trick plays. And, uh, you know, again, they, they were getting seven and a half points in that game. They win the game outright. They did. But I'll tell you this much. If I would have had Middle Tennessee State, I'd have been here. Oh, my God, you're so lucky. All those turnovers, they got dominated statistically. You know, you yeah. know. How was that result any different than the Chicago uh, uh, <laughs> oh. Philadelphia one two weeks ago when you were whining? Totally different. Because you, you were on the right side. Absolutely. You right. were on the right side of the wrong side. Right. <laughs> right. I see how that goes. No, actually, I mean, again, it was, like I just said, they, they just played, they executed much better. I mean, it was execution. They had the five turnovers, but you got to give Middle Tennessee the credit for their defense for those turnovers. Now, there were a couple for, by San Diego State uh, that were gimmies, you know, deep in their own territory, but give Middle Tennessee credit. It just, when you looked at the two sidelines, mm-hmm. you could see one team was was fired up about playing, and San Diego State came out and they were fired up. Well, I don't know about fired up, but they executed the first couple drives, but then they got shut down. They didn't score again for like another hour and a half. Which so. we've we've seen that with uh, Brady Hoke uh, coach teams. There you before. go. That's- exactly. <laughs> All right, my friend. Uh, tonight we've got Monday Night Football. 
And one team is playing for a lot, and that is the Chargers. They're a four-point choice against the Colts. Uh, you know, the Colts have been one of these weird teams. I mean, they come in here to Vegas, and they, in Jeff Saturday's first game, and they beat down the Raiders and say, okay, now, you know, full body of work. Well, okay, it was the Raiders. Uh, they jumped on the Vikings. They had the embarrassing loss, and now they're coming off of that to play at home against the Chargers, who were pretty much red hot right now as well, too. This Colts team, Marco, I don't know how much faith that you can have in them, especially now they've kind of like waved the white flag and they said, okay, no more Matt Ryan. Now we're going to our third-string quarterback, and Nick Foles, who hasn't played a snap all year, is going to be in this game tonight as their starting quarterback against Justin Herbert and the Chargers. Late money is coming in on Indianapolis. It's down to three and a half all across town right now, TC. And that surprises me. Um, my first thing I'd say on this game, TC, and we handicap games a lot. You know, we look at things the same. If this game was on Sunday amongst the rest of the schedule, I would not even be looking at this game. But because it's Monday night, and I want to preface that by saying I'm not making a play because it's just on TV. It's because we talk about teams that have nothing to play for. When they're going to rise up is going to be if they're playing on a Thursday, Sunday, or Monday night game where they're the standalone game and the world's looking at them. And the Colts have to be embarrassed by what happened last week. I mean, it was the the biggest collapse in NFL history, uh, 33-0 and to lose the game. But I still look at them and they have so many flaws. Now we've seen this Nick Foles every time he's come in as a backup, you know, had to be inserted. It wasn't a quarterback switch because the other guy was playing bad, you know, injury or whatever. In the past, he's always risen to the occasion and played good for a couple games. He won a Super Bowl for Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, so. I don't know that there's that much of a drop off other than he has had no snaps this year, but we're talking about a charger team that is in a must win situation. We know that generally you're paying a premium to back those teams because Vegas knows it's a must win. And they know most people want to bet that team and the fact that they saw what happened to Indianapolis last week. If the Colts can run the football, now you have no Jonathan Taylor tonight, but the backup last week played very well. Uh, I think they should have success against this Charger defense. They rank near the bottom of almost every category do the Chargers. And I've always said, if I can get the better defense getting points, that's where I'm going to go. Am I going to get to the window tonight? Probably not. Um, I gave an opinion on Indianapolis. I think this comes down to a one-possession game, which all of the Charger games come down to. Mm -hmm. They only have one win by double digits this year, and I think that was the Houston game, and we know how bad Houston has been this year. When it was at four, I was if it would have stayed at four, I was going to go ahead and I was hoping it would push to four and a half, and then I could get ten and a half on a teaser. Um, I don't like to do six and a half point teasers and seven point teasers just because I'm cheap. I don't like to lay the extra <laughs> the extra juice that you do on those two. Um, but if you could get the game to 10, that's, that is the way that I would play the game on a teaser with Indianapolis. Here's the thing about Nick Foles. You're, you're spot on about, you know, Nick Foles in the past. However, when a guy has not played all year long and not even gotten to a game, then I, I think you got to throw out the window. He's, 
you don't know what you're going to get. Well, I think you're going to get rust is what you're going to get. You're going to get plain rust. And again, the way the Chargers are playing now, I'm sure they haven't beaten upper echelon teams, but again, they're, you know, they're, I mean, well, they, they did handle Miami, you know, very well. And then they beat Tennessee. Um, and you know, again, not a lot of signature wins there. And they lost some close games when they were banged up to, you know, the 49ers, uh, and the Chiefs. But Kansas City, or Kansas City, the Chargers are more healthy now than they have been in a long time. You got Keenan Allen back. Okay. They're, they're pretty set at the, at the wide receiver position, the running back position. And Herbert just is one of these guys, Marco, that just keeps getting better and better. And I'm just wondering what the crowd is going to be like tonight in Indianapolis. Okay. We know it's cold and you, you're going to go, got to go outside to get to an indoor stadium. I understand that. But just the way this season has gone, it's a throwaway season, you know, for the Colts and their fans know that. And they know that Jeff Saturday's not going to be there. Uh, and especially coming off this, like you said, the most embarrassing loss in all of NFL history. How full is that place going to be tonight? Oh, I agree with you. You're not going to have the typical home, you know, home field advantage that you would have, but, uh, it's, these guys are human. They don't like to, nobody wants to be embarrassed. Yeah. And they're going to show up to play the Chargers. You said the Miami game. They dominated Miami statistically, but it was only a six point win. That was the most dominant six point win you'll ever see. But that's what the Chargers do. They let you hang around. For those of us that have the Chargers in the money line, just win, baby. That's fine. Just win, baby. All right. I appreciate you uh, hanging out with us today, man. No problem. We'll get back at it again on Friday. Marco D'Angelo at wagertalk.com. Go to wagertalk.com and get Marco's plays. He's got everything going. Doesn't matter to the sport. Well, I don't think he's on the croquet and the, the soccer board anymore. Tech ball? No, it's a tech ball. There you go. Start handicapping that. Good luck, buddy. Thank All right. you. All right, brother. Appreciate it as always. Uh, I'd say go home and have some leftovers, but since you already killed it for breakfast, <laughs> you're on your own. you got to come up with another meal tonight. And we know next Friday night, Marco's going to come up with a meal. He's going to come up with his wallet, too. Or he's going to pay us in poker chips, Jay Schrader and myself. <laughs> All right, man. Appreciate you. We'll see you Friday. All right. For Numbchuck, T.C. Barton saying so long. Go to the website and check out the Raiders recap up on the uh, the site there at tcmartinshow.com. Marco, go, go ahead and read the article. You'll like my article. Praising your Pittsburgh Steelers and talking about the victory of the Raiders, all right? There you go. Just make sure you're not grading my my grammar too much. But anyway, yeah, go to the website. Check all that out. Interview page, go check it out. The classic interviews, the current interviews, it's all up there. Tomorrow, it's Terrible Tuesday. We start looking ahead to Week 17 of the NFL and also college bowl games galore, the meaningful ones, and, of course, the college football playoff as well, too. Have a good one. We'll catch you tomorrow at 2.